Welcome everyone. Nice to see everybody tonight. We're really happy to have Kaya Swen uh, offering our monthly guest teacher Dharma talk tonight. And uh, some of you probably know Kaya. She's been in the community, the larger meditation community, for quite a long time. She's uh, been teaching the mindfulness-based stress reduction classes in town and in the general area for the last 16 years and taught at St. Catherine's uh, Holistic Health Studies Master's Program for a number of years. She's also been a longtime student of Joanna Macy, a well-known Buddhist scholar and deep ecologist. Some of you maybe have read one or more of her books. And uh, Kaya, I'll just read something from our description in the newsletter. Kaya shares some of the central teachings of the great turning practice that helps us honor our deep emotions for our world and experience how, how our inner being with all life forms sustain us. So Kai is going to offer a guided meditation in just a moment, and then we'll take a few moments to stretch our legs, and then she'll speak for a while, and there'll be time for discussion and, and questions uh, at the end. So thank you so much, Kaya, for being here tonight. Really great to have you. Well, I'm just delighted to be in this um, beautiful center that is so well-seasoned with the love and the guidance and the practice of so many of you. I can kind of feel that mess that you've made. And it's an honor to be with here with you all, and I am grateful for the precious gift of your time and attention. It's really, really an honor. wonderful to look out and see the redwood forest we've just been together. <laughs> oh my. So we'll take a little bit of time to kind of unpack this meditation and then we'll follow that unpacking into um, uh, looking more directly at Joanna Macy, Macy's teachings. So this meditation was an experience of interbeing which is uh, one of the kind of major pieces of what Joanna brings us to, and again, I'll put that into relation a little bit while, a little bit later. So this meditation opens us to connection with another species. This Buddhist practice of turning to a mountain, a lotus, a lake, for example, to acquire teachings is based on the cardinal doctrine of Buddhism of dependent co-arising. Dependent co-arising tells us that all phenomena are arising together in a mutually interdependent web of cause and effect. In this meditation, we open to the redwood as our teacher. And you see there are profound lessons for us as humans from this cousin. And when we settle into the teachings of dependent co-arising, indeed, we understand the redwood as our cousin. Here, what a celebration of interconnectedness, dependent co-arising. 
to understand this, to kind of amplify what this is about, I'd like to invite you just to take a brief moment to go inside as soon as I finish talking. I'd like you to just come inside and notice the deep loneliness that we often touch into as a separate human making our own separate way out there in a world that's often kind of mean. So that's an experience we often have and how that experience is altered when you know that you can commune with a redwood. So just step inside now and and notice first that deep loneliness and then how it shifts as you remember your communion with the redwood. Maybe just a subtle awareness, something just barely coming into your consciousness. That's just fine. Coming back out now. Joanna Macy, from whom many of tonight's teachings come, is, as Mark was saying, a Buddhist scholar, a teacher, an author, and a deep ecologist. And, you know, deep ecologists, it's kind of fun. It's a, a really a secular way to describe someone who looks at the environment and recognizes what the Buddha taught us is dependent co-arising. That's because the core principle of deep ecology is the belief that, like humanity, the living environment as a whole has the same right to live and flourish as we do. Because of our vast interconnection. Today, systems theory and um, quantum physics tell us the same kind of thing, that each of us, each redwood, everything else, is a hologram of the whole. And each of us, human, redwood, and everything else, has the whole in us. So now our thinking minds finally have a way to kind of let us settle into this beauty that some of our other wisdom centers know about interconnection. So Redwood as our teacher. And yet the Redwoods now are in great danger. Logging. The number of forests left are tiny compared to what was originally there. So what do we do? We can open to the intense wonder and joy of interconnection, or we can close, surrounding ourselves with apathy and keeping that alive by all the endless distractions that this time offers more than any other time 
has given to humans. It's, it's very interesting. And indeed, suffering is heightened when we open to our relations with other beings, human or otherwise. Likewise, our joy, our sense of belonging, our kind of knowing that there's no beginning, no ending, comes from that same place. This is dependent co-arising, the interdependence and mutual conditioning of phenomena. When there's a, a salmon stream flowing through the redwoods, we know now that at the very top of a redwood tree, one can find salmon DNA. When a salmon stream is flowing through the redwoods, at the top of a tree is some salmon DNA. So the 21st century, the science, again, is helping us, helping even the part of us that says, ah, impossible that we're all interconnected, to deepen into that place. Um, what I'd like to suggest now, again, another little drop inside, is that you play with taking this notion of the salmon stream and the DNA that ends up on the top of the tree, taking that as one of the fibers of this web of interconnection that is us, is this world. So taking that as one fiber using your imagination now and asking to glimpse what interconnectivity is if this is one fiber. And then asking yourself if we humans knew how to live with that awareness, how totally different life on this planet would be. today understanding our relationship to pain is key because we really only grieve for what we love. From an awareness of the whole of our essential connection then springs both great pain and great joy. Joanna Macy suggests that as we look at the U.S. through the veil of the first noble truth, the truth of suffering, we can see that all our compatriots are in grief today about the losses 
that are being experienced in our world. We're all in grief, wearing infinite masks that grief provides us with. And most of us don't know that we're in that grief because unconsciously we fear the intensity of the pain. And so we prefer to live in the flatlands of apathy. And as Einstein tells us, there are only two ways to live your life. Either everything is a miracle or nothing is a miracle. When we fear the intensity of the pain that connects us to the incredible love we have, we're securing our reservation in apathy by wrapping ourselves in the endless distractions of our dominant culture. Thich Nhat Hanh was asked, what can we do to save the earth? And he answered, to save the earth, what we most need to do is to hear the sounds of earth crying. We must activate our love. We must build sufficient trust in love. We must engage enough to let ourselves be guided by love. And in order to do this, it seems we have to let ourselves acknowledge the pain. For the link to the redwood today has pain in it. If we deny that link, we lose connection to the redwood. We lose the pain then, and we also lose the teachings and the joy. When we deny that link, apathy opens its door to us, welcoming us in beckoning us with busyness. But apathy cannot undo dependent co-arising. We are connected to all living beings. Whether we vitalize that link or not. Whole systems theory, what happens to one happens to all. Phenomena mutually condition each other.
friends, Kafka puts our choice to live into our interconnection or to numb out this way. You can hold back from the suffering of the world. You have permission to do so, and it is in accordance with your nature. But perhaps this very holding back is the one suffering you could have avoided. As humans, one of our greatest assets, a great gift of these times, one that every Buddhist practitioner is familiar with, is our self-reflective consciousness. The ability to put our mind where we want it to be, this is a most intimate yet mysterious act ordinary. It's an ability that you reinforce and strengthen each time you meditate. The ability to put your mind where you want it to be. So we are urged by Macy and other sages to use this self-reflective capacity to do the opposite of what the thinking mind insists on. We are urged to befriend our pain for the world. These sages assure us that we'll feel better. We'll feel better because when we are feeling and suffering with the world, we know from that very pain that we are not separated, isolated cells of egocentricity. We know that the vast web of interconnection is such that there is nothing that we can do and nothing that can happen to us that can cause us to fall out of it. That's what we learn when we befriend our pain and open to the suffering of the world. We know that we are all connected. So as deep ecologists like Macy inspire us and lead us each to apply Buddhist teachings to all beings more actively, they understand dependent co-arising is the underpinning of the many ways why we could and how we can activate our relationships with others. Macy and David Corton, uh, who helped kind of coin the phrase the great turning, many others, Buddhists and non-Buddhists, note how people in these days are kind of lifting their gaze from the 
closets where they've been counting their own shoes to look out at the vast landscape of this world and amaze them at how their hearts can open to it. These sages point out, and you know, we know this, we all talk about this with our friends too, the huge cognitive shifts that are underway today and the spiritual openings of all kinds. The people coming together in many lands to say there's another way that's inclusive. All this taking place across the planet now. And so it's being called the great turning. It's another turning of the wheel of the Dharma. And we are here witnessing it. This great turning of the wheel of the Dharma. So befriending our pain for the world is offered to us as a powerful way to build resiliency. As we honor our pain, as we touch it, it brings us back to our interconnectedness and from this place we see with new eyes. Our hearts recognize the truth that the thinking mind can't really perceive. So I'd like to bring these thoughts into an experiential place with you now. Um, we will practice befriending our pain. And you'll be doing this in partners. So just with someone sitting next to you, we'll keep it real easy. So if you don't know the person next to you, if you do, just um, kind of nodding your head and choosing a partner. So I'd like you to do that now and raise your hand if you don't have a partner. Okay, so it looks like everyone does have a partner. So we'll be doing an exercise of, uh, in which you are given an open sentence and you will repeat the sentence after me and then complete it. You'll have two, three minutes to complete the sentence. So only one of you, of course, will be talking at a time. So what I'd like you to do right now is just tap your partner's knee. Okay, and who? Has everyone done that? Okay, whoever tapped first will be um, partner A. Okay, is everyone okay? <laughs> partner A. We've got a partner. Do you do you not have a partner? Because I have a friend who's willing to pop out. If oh, well, you don't have a partner either. Oh, okay, great. All right. So anyone? So you two are partners. Thank you. Okay. You need to sit together. <laughs> how this partnership works. (laughs) 
So we're many in this room, and so in your partnership, when you're talking, you'll be talking kind of a whisper. Um, so what will happen is that partner A will go first as the speaker, and I will give partner A the beginning of a sentence. I'll say it once, and then as I say it again, I'll say it in pieces. I'd like you to say it with me, and I know that'll sound a little bit like kindergarten or first grade, but if you say it with me, that's going to help your story come from your heart. If you just finish the sentence, it won't, won't do the same thing. So you will be speaking from your heart, and I invite you to speak from as deep a place as you can, and, and hopefully maybe you'll hear something that you haven't heard yourself say before. Then I will give partner A a second open sentence, and you will uh, complete that one. This whole time, partner B will just be listening in silence. And so as you listen, um, you can be either looking, you know, comfortably looking at partner A, or you can be looking somewhere else. Because what you really want to do is be just listening. You can be nodding your head a little bit, but we also know that, you know, when the head is nodding, if I'm talking, I'm more likely to kind of keep on with the same theme because I'm getting the affirmation. So if you want to sit in a way so that you're not really looking, not nodding your head, that's fine too. But mostly I want you to be comfortable. So as listener, just going to remind you about some of the guidelines for listening. When you're listening, um, it's your meditation practice. Your focus is on what the other person is saying. And if it reminds you of something that's happened to you, and you start to go, oh, yes, well, I would have done it differently. As soon as you know that, you come right back. And um, if you find yourself judging, I'm just going to invite you to remember this dear person in front of you is like you just doing the best right that he or she can. I don't actually think judging is going to come up, but just in case it might. Um, so... Um, if you all, if the speaker finishes speaking before the time is up, then I invite the two of you just to listen in silence or just to sit in silence. And at the end of when you, the times when you've both spoken, you'll have a moment to thank each other. Um, we'll also take a little bit of silence before we switch from speaker A to speaker B. Okay, is that clear enough if we do it slowly now? All right, so partner A, you will be speaking. And here's the first sentence. It's, you know, it's a little long because I want it to bring you uh, from a deep place in your heart. So it'll maybe seem, seem a little clunky as we do it together, but I know you can handle it. So here it is the first time. To be alive now in this time of global crisis what is particularly hard for me is. So now with me, and we'll do it in pieces. To be alive now, in this time of global crisis, what is particularly hard for me is, and now you've got about two and a half minutes, and I'll give you a little warning near the end.
coming to a natural ending with this thought. Coming into silence. And in the silence, both partners just drinking in what's been said. So often we move quickly onto a response, and now just drinking in what's been said. And the second sentence now for partner A. What I appreciate about living in the time of the great turning is, so now with me, what I appreciate about living in the time of the great turning is, where we just really absorb what we've just heard, letting it move through your heart center. 
Now the role is shifting, you who were speaker, becoming listener, you who've been listening, becoming speaker. So partner B, and I'll say this again the first time and then with you. To be alive now in this time of global crisis, what is particularly hard for me is to be alive now in this time of global crisis, what is particularly hard for me is together. about living in the time of the great turning is what I appreciate about living in the time of the great turning is 
sitting in silence, and this is when we drink in what you've just heard and also kind of acknowledge that this is the end of this exchange. As you're ready, just finding a simple, silent way to thank your partner. And then coming back to your own seats. just do a a short two or three minutes um, guided meditation to kind of deepen that practice. So just getting comfortable and as you're ready, bringing your attention to your breath, eyes closed or soft focus on the gazing at the floor. Breathing, having been received by another, as you acknowledge your connection to other beings, coming to the place inside you that knows both great pain and great joy. Observing how these two move together, how they are partners, As you are ready, dropping below the realm of great pain and great joy to what it is that holds them both simultaneously in one embrace. Coming to the interdependence of all life. Inviting yourself to sense something about this that you hadn't perhaps brought to consciousness before. Something about this interdependence, about this holding both the joy and the pain.
and letting the awareness move now as you sense your access to compassion. Being gently curious and very friendly with yourself about the difficulty or ease with which you extend compassion to beings whose well-being is threatened now. So we just want to notice how difficult, how easy it is to extend compassion to beings who are threatened now. And, dear friend, as you notice this in yourself, please letting go of right and wrong. Just settling into what is. We can help ourselves so much more effectively when we are just patient with how it is. Just how it is. And breathing. And breathing with this teaching, giving it room to settle in you however it does. When we befriend our pain for the world, we reconnect with life in a profound way that allows the mind to retrieve its natural clarity. Here it is again. When we befriend our pain for the world, we reconnect with life in a profound way that allows the mind to retrieve its natural clarity. And as you are ready, just coming back fully to following the breath. Being with each in-breath. Being with each out-breath. And so we draw this little meditation to a close. And opening the eyes, maybe stretching the body a little bit.
good to read a poem now by um, Rilke and um, this poem uh, addresses you in your ancient centuries of life as a redwood or in your ancient centuries of your lineage as a human with all your ancestors so quiet friend who has come so far feel how your breathing makes more space around you let this darkness be a bell tower and you the bell and as you ring what batters you becomes your strength swing back and forth into the change what is this intensity of pain if the drink is bitter turn yourself to wine in this uncontainable night be the mystery at the crossroads of your senses the mystery discovered there and if the world has ceased to hear you say to the silent earth I flow and to the rushing water speak I am So this is the piece of Macy's work. We've taken one piece and, and um, explored it to this full extent with you, or as full extent as we could do in this time. And I'd like to then put it in the context of the, the rest of her work. Um, so essentially what um, Joanna's work um, brings us to do in order to be resilient and to be as fully alive as we can in these amazing times we're living in is um, beautiful forms that invite us to move through four stages the first one is gratitude and with gratitude you know we open the vertical axis which grounds us in the earth and opens us to whatever this mystery of life is and then we open the horizontal axis of our heart so with gratitude um, as we touch the joy of something that brings us so much happiness 
we also prepare ourselves for harder work. The second stage then is to honor whatever emotions we are having um, about what's going on in the planet. And as Joanna and uh, this work sees it, um, you know, the intensity of whatever fear we might have or sorrow or rage is there because of the amount of love we have. And if we only had a little bit of love, we'd only have a little bit of anger about what was going on. So when we come together and we have forms and containers that allow us to speak of what it is that we feel, we and the others who are with us then witness the incredible love that we humans have for all that's going on. We're really witnessing to the interconnectivity. At this point, you know, through the the pain, and yet, as we hear how the emotions come through each of us, each of each person speaking brings us in touch with the immense love that's behind those feelings. So then the next stage is coming then to the love, stepping into the center of this interconnectivity. We dare to see with new eyes. We know that we are um, a student of the redwood. We know that we are ancient, that, you know, in, in the palm of my hand is um, the, the fin of the big fish who first swam through the oceans, the claw of the monkey. It's all in the journey that, you know, has ended up being my hand. In my hand are the generations of children, human children still to be born, um, that we are so interconnected. And so from this place of interconnection, then, we help each other uh, know how to be fed by that knowing, how to make new choices, find new ways to go forward. And then we, the fourth stage is about going forth. How do we then go forth being refreshed, renewed with this sense of interconnectivity? Now, I have to say that when Joanna first started this work 30 years ago, she hoped that you could just take the journey once from despair to empowerment. And she's found out, um, as we all know, that it's something we need to do again and again. But that's all right. That's our resiliency. We just can come together. And you do this already with your friends and your family. You do it with your pets. You do it as you uh, stop and watch a sunrise or you um, see how a a plant a little bit different than yesterday. We're doing this in so many ways. So part of what we um, have the opportunity to do now is to just be more aware of, of this and be uh, more available to living into this uh, mysterious possibility of our interconnectivity. And one thing I think is so exciting is that it's probably the crises of this time that are awakening us, getting our attention, so that we we are available to the interconnectivity. So I think what lies ahead for us and for the generations coming after us, hard times for sure, but this incredible journey we make with our hearts and our heads, with our whole beings. So um, 
I will stop there, see if there's some questions or comments, and then have a little poem at the end, and then after that we'll have some a chance to have some refreshments and conversation. Um, maybe I'll say at this point that um, I and a couple of other people who've studied with Joanna are offering a, a free two-hour introductory workshop to her work specifically, so it's, it's not going to be framed quite so much in the... Um, as we did tonight with meditation, but um, some of what I just was talking about. So there are flyers out there, and um, we'd certainly love to have you come to, to them. We've got a couple of them planned, and we'll keep on doing more. So with that, um, questions, comments? Um, yes? Uh, you mentioned the great turning. Could you amplify upon what that means? What that means, okay, it means I think many things to many different people. Certainly um, for Joanna with her Buddhist grounding, um, she, I think, first is referencing the great turning of the uh, wheel of the Dharma and this notion that, um, of course, that wheel is always turning, but in certain times we're more aware of the turning, we're more aware of the interconnection. And it's, again, the crises that help us see the interconnection. So um, this, then, our time right now is being seen as one of the great turnings of the wheel. And then it's also um, being used by other people, and Joanna as well, um, to represent a great turning that we humans are making, turning away from disconnect with, with other things and really changing our lives dramatically so that we do pass on a, um, more abundance to the future generations. David Corton has written a book called The Great Journey, Corton, K-O-R-T-E-N, and that's, that's a, a really good um, way to develop this idea. Anyone else uh, familiar with this use of The Great Journey that you'd like to add something to? Well, they also use the, the great work is the term used by um, uh, the Thank you. So another question or comment? Um, I, I think that probably many people really have ways of expressing the great turning. Mm -hmm. I, it might be an opportunity just to have like very brief analysis about what people are up to. Uh, I just wanted to, I know Kaya shared her workshop about joining the ACF conference last, uh, last April and we'll be getting together again. I want to invite you all to join us on Saturday, March 24th at Hennepin Avenue Methodist Church for the 
Stable Communities Conference where we get about 500 community volunteers together to envision the next steps for our community. Um, so that the website is alliance4sustainability.net. And if you feel like helping to create that, welcome that space. We have a volunteer team. We're getting together next Wednesday night, uh, the 25th of January at Holy Trinity this week. Or at 20 at 6:30 p.m. at Holy Trinity over by the post office over here on 31st and in the Haha. But I know Lynn, you're involved with transition towns, and Paul, you're involved with this. You know, I think what I'd like to do, maybe people who would like to speak during the reception, if you want to raise your hands, if you want to um, let people know that you have something to say, but that I'd like to um, yeah. have other comments. Do you have anything written with you or um, about your no, meetings? No, I'll put posters up out there, but they okay. can just go to the website or okay, the Okay, so Sean during the reception will be one of the greatest networkers I know. He'll be able to get you in touch with the labs. Okay. Yes. Um, if you have a, I, I suppose a microcosm, the great journey, I think in a way it kind of applies to me and in my life in say the last five years, um, uh, I, I sense a qualitative difference about my anger mm -hmm. when it arises mm -hmm. and how I use it um, mm -hmm. in, my, uh, in my legacy versus now. I mean, as a distinct thought, I don't want to give the impression I haven't lived in all that sort of things. I don't. Because I don't you know, like, I give ample opportunity to disappoint. But <laughs> the, the one thing, though, I can distinctly say is that, oh, maybe uh, 10 years ago, prior to me practicing meditation and Buddhism, the back of my anger really was a reflection of my ego. I would be very mad by things working out not the way according to what I see. And I don't have that posture so much anymore. Mm. It really mm. doesn't come up that way. I mean, I have my, my foibles and everything. But uh, my, and in fact, the, the notion of love and anger being connected, I whenever that would come up historically, I kind of nod my head, you know, kind of like, well, yeah, love and war and all that. But I, in some way, I, I, I can't quite articulate, but I can, I can sense or feel that connection. Mm. That um, they're opposite ends of the same rod, if you will, and that they are interrelated. I, I, I don't want to try to articulate it because I don't have it mapped out, but, but it is, it is interesting. You know, it, it is to a yeah. point where you, uh, a soul, really senses uh, a different relationship with the things in life that come up there really would rile you in the past and there's not much different relationships. So, Great. Yeah. Oh, happy for you. Yes. Yes. Um, just one thing to give people uh, food, cultivation, meditation, <laughs> intellect, stimulation, mediation, kinesthetic education, celebration, deep conversation, continuation of what is. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Good. Yes. Respect for your work. Oh, thank you. Good morning. 
been curious about all my life um, yeah but to me now they, they seem like the, the same thing uh, I think uh, one hand washes the other um, and um, let's see as my spirituality has deepened I think my forms of activism have changed though I'm still willing to get arrested if I need to that kind of thing um, I think I came in with um, you know um, and well, I'm, I'm that side of the spectrum of um, being very sensitive to the suffering in the world. So early on, those were the two uh, pathways that seemed to be available. So I've always been interested in how they come together. And I think that's why Joanna Macy's work um, spoke to me so strongly, because she does um, hold out ways of being very clear about what you believe and how to stand for it and uh, always coming from that place of interconnection. Thank you. Yes? Yeah, um, I always kind of run into this wall where, you know, uh, my wife and I, we see ourselves as also part of the problem, so we try to modify our lives and make our lives more simple and more sustainable and use less energy. And we're always kind of figuring out ways of how we cut here and do this better because you know, we have to start with ourselves. But then like, you know, when we think about our, our, our actions on a global scale, it just seems so pointless. Mm. So there's just a spare element it's right in our face all the time. And so, you know, and we still make those choices because you know it's the right thing to do, but then you're caught with this view of that like, mm. Uh, you know, we're trying to do the right thing and we can't change what other people do or preach or, you know, and um, there's a sense of guilt and all that, mm. all that yucky stuff. Yeah. So can you talk about that? Um, yes, I think, um, just in the, it, it's a longer question for sure, but I, I think that the um, forms that we're talking about that we're offering now are, are really made just for that, that we come to that with, as you say, all that yucky stuff and the guilt and kind of knowing that what the culture suggests to us to do is just band-aids. And um, so then we don't feel very good about that. But I think through doing this deeper work with other people, um, knowing that many of us feel have the same questions that, that you are that are coming up for you and then we kind of journey together wanting to clarify our minds and know what choices make more sense that that um, that, that brings forth a lot a lot more options a lot uh, many more paths open up and I think um, you know just maybe, Oh, this is just one example, but I uh, something that worked out for me. Um, it's not exactly an answer to what you're saying, but it is sort of. So I'm just a regular, ordinary person, and when the um, uh, the Abu Ghraib 
incident came up with, with Iraq. I was teaching mindfulness class, and some of the students were so shocked that our government would do something like that. Because I'd been an activist for a long time, I was not shocked, but I was horrified, but I, I wasn't surprised. So um, what we were able to start was a, um, a practice where people made a sign um, saying, may your children grow up healthy. We are so sorry for the way your brothers and sons are being treated. And then people would gather around the signs and we'd take a photo. And then we had some of the signs translated into Arabic. And then um, uh, one of the, um, the Fellowship of Reconciliation put this on their website. And then there were CDs made and they were taken over to Iraq. And I don't know how many people actually saw them. But I think that through the practice that you're doing, through opening our hearts, through knowing that we're interconnected, possibilities like that come come up. So again, it, we were just sort of regular folks, but I felt like we were creating this arc, you know, that from this country to Iraq, along with all the weapons going over, there was also all this love and coming from regular folks and getting our, our word out. So I think that, um, again, as we enter into this gently helping ourselves become more aware of the interconnectivity and face the pain in it, that we get a lot of ideas that then are, uh, address some of the guilt and that unease about not doing enough. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take a question, yeah. Okay. So thank you so much, Kai. Did you want to read your poem? Well, yeah, maybe just quickly. Yeah. Okay. So this is from Tagore. Um, the same stream of life that throws, flows through my veins runs through the universe and dances in rhythmic measure. It is the same life that sprouts up through the dust of the earth into countless blades of grass and breaks into the abundance of leaves and flowers. It is the same life that is rocked in the ocean cradle of birth and death, and ebb and flow. My limbs are blessed by the touch of this world of life, and I rest in the sense of the life throb of ages dancing in my blood at this moment. Thank you so much, Kaya, for coming. Really great to have you lead this conversation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.